Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chapter One I remember the whole beginning as a succession of flights and drops, a little seesaw of the right throbs and the wrong. After rising in town to meet his appeal, I had at all events a couple of very bad days, found myself doubtful again, felt indeed sure I had made a mistake. In this state of mind, I spent the long hours of bumping, swinging coach that carried me to the stopping place at which I was to be met by a vehicle from the house. This convenience, I was told, had been ordered, and I found, toward the close of the June afternoon, a commodious fly in waiting for me. Driving at that hour on a lovely day through a country to which the summer sweetness seemed to offer me a friendly welcome, my fortitude mounted afresh, and, as we turned into the avenue, encountered a reprieve that was probably but a proof of the point to which it had sunk. I suppose I had expected, or had dreaded, something so melancholy that what greeted me was a good surprise. I remember, as a most pleasant impression, the broad, clear front, its open windows and fresh curtains, and the pair of maids looking out. I remember the lawn and the bright flowers and the crunch of my wheels on the gravel and the clustered treetops over which the rooks circled and cawed in the golden sky. The scene had a greatness that made it a different affair from my own scant home, and there immediately appeared at the door with a little girl in her hand, a civil person, as if I had been the mistress or a distinguished visitor. I had received in Harley Street a narrower notion of the place, and that, as I recalled it, made me think the proprietor still more of a gentleman, suggested that what I was to enjoy might be something beyond his promise. I had no drop again till the next day, for I was carried triumphantly through the following hours by my introduction to the younger of my pupils. The little girl who accompanied Mrs. Grouse appeared to me on the spot a creature so charming as to make it a great fortune to have to do with her. She was the most beautiful child I had ever seen, and I afterward wondered that my employer had not told me more of her. I slept little that night. I was too much excited, and this astonished me, too. I recollect remained with me, adding to my sense of the liberality with which I was treated. The large impressive room, one of the best in the house, the great state bed, as I almost felt it, the full figure draperies, the long glasses in which, for the first time, I could see myself from head to foot, all struck me, like the extraordinary charm of my small charge, as so many things thrown in. It was thrown in as well, from the first moment, 
that I should get on with Mrs. Grouse in a relation over which, on my way in the coach, I fear I had rather brooded. The only thing, indeed, that in this early outlook might have made me shrink again was the clear circumstance of her being so glad to see me. I perceived within half an hour that she was so glad, stout, simple, plain, clean, wholesome woman, as to be positively on her guard against showing it too much. I wondered even then a little why she should wish not to show it, and that, with reflection, with suspicion, might, of course, have made me uneasy. But it was a comfort that there could be no uneasiness in a connection with anything so beatific as the radiant image of my little girl, the vision of whose angelic beauty had probably more than anything else to do with the restlessness that, before morning, made me several times rise and wander about my room to take in the whole picture and prospect. To watch from my open window the faint summer dawn, to look at such portions of the rest of the house as I could catch, and to listen while, in the fading dusk, the first birds began to twitter for the possible recurrence of a sound or two less natural, and not without, but within, that I had fancied I heard. There had been a moment when I believe I recognized, faint and far, the cry of a child. There had been another when I found myself just consciously starting as at the passage, before my door, of a light footstep. But these fancies were not marked enough not to be thrown off, and it is only in the light, or the gloom, I should rather say, of other and subsequent matters that they now come back to me. To watch, teach, form, little Flora, would too evidently be the making of a happy and useful life. It had been agreed between us downstairs that after this first occasion I should have her as a matter of course at night, her small white bed being already arranged, to that end, in my room. What I had undertaken was the whole care of her, and she had remained, just this last time, with Mrs. Grouse only as an effect of our consideration for my inevitable strangeness and her natural timidity. In spite of this timidity, which the child herself, in the oddest way in the world, had been perfectly frank and brave about, allowing it without a sign of uncomfortable consciousness, with the deep, sweet serenity indeed of one of Raphael's holy infants, to be discussed, to be imputed to her, and to determine us, I feel quite sure she would presently like me. It was part of what I already liked Mrs. Grouse herself for, the pleasure I could see her feel in my admiration and wonder as I sat at supper with four tall candles, and with my pupil, in a high chair and a bib, brightly facing me, between them, over bread and milk. There were naturally things that in Flora's presence could pass between us only as prodigious and gratified looks, obscure and roundabout illusions. And the little boy, does he look like her? Is he, too, so very remarkable? One wouldn't flatter a child, "'Oh, miss, most remarkable, if you think well of this one.' And she stood there with a plate in her hand, beaming at our companion, who looked from one of us to the other with placid, heavenly eyes that contained nothing to check us. 
"'Yes, if I do... "'You will be carried away by the little gentleman. "'Well, that, I think, is what I came for, "'to be carried away. "'I'm afraid, however, I remember feeling the impulse to add, "'I'm rather easily carried away. "'I was carried away in London.' I can still see Mrs. Grouse's broad face as she took this in. In Harley Street. In Harley Street. Well, miss, you're not the first, and you won't be the last. Oh, I've no pretension, I could laugh, to being the only one. My other pupil, at any rate, as I understand, comes back tomorrow. Not tomorrow, Friday, miss. He arrives as you did by the coach, under care of the guard, "'and is to be met by the same carriage. "'I forthwith express that the proper "'as well as the pleasant and friendly thing "'would be therefore that on the arrival "'of the public conveyance "'I should be in waiting for him with his little sister, "'an idea in which Mrs. Grouse concurred so heartily "'that I somehow took her manner "'as a kind of comforting pledge, "'never falsified, thank heaven, "'that we should on every question be quite at one.' Oh, she was glad I was there. What I felt the next day was, I suppose, nothing that could be fairly called a reaction from the cheer of my arrival. It was probably, at the most, only a slight oppression produced by a fuller measure of the scale as I walked round them, gazed up at them, took them in of my new circumstances. They had, as it were, an extent and mass for which I had not been prepared, and in the presence of which I found myself, freshly, a little scared as well as a little proud. Lessons in this agitation certainly suffered some delay. I reflected that my first duty was, by the gentlest arts I could contrive, to win the child into the sense of knowing me. I spent the day with her out of doors. I arranged with her, to her great satisfaction, that it should be she, she only, who might show me the place. She showed it step by step, and room by room, and secret by secret, with droll, delightful, childish talk about it, and with the result, in half an hour, of our becoming immense friends. Young as she was, I was struck, throughout our little tour, with her confidence and courage with the way, in empty chambers and dull corridors, on crooked staircases that made me pause, and even on the summit of an old square tower that made me dizzy, her morning music, her disposition to tell me so many more things than she asked, rang out and led me on. I have not seen Bly since the day I left it, and I dare say that to my older and more informed eyes it would now appear sufficiently contracted. But as my little conductress, with her hair of gold, and her frock of blue danced before me round corners and pattered down passages. I had the view of a castle of romance inhabited by a rosy sprite, such a place as would somehow, for diversion of the young idea, take all color out of storybooks and fairy tales. Wasn't it just a storybook over which I had fallen a doze and a dream? No, it was a big, ugly, antique but convenient house, embodying a few features of a building still older, half replaced and half utilized, in which I had the fancy of our being almost as lost as a handful of passengers in a great drifting ship. Well, 
I was, strangely, at the helm. Chapter 2 This came home to me when, two days later, I drove over with Flora to meet, as Mrs. Grouse said, the little gentleman, and all the more for an incident that, presenting itself the second evening, had deeply disconcerted me. The first day had been, on the whole, as I have expressed, reassuring, but I was to see it wind up in keen apprehension. The postbag that evening, it came late, contained a letter from me, which, however in the hand of my new employer, I found to be composed but of a few words, enclosing another, addressed to himself, with a seal still unbroken. This, I recognize, is from the headmaster, and the headmaster's an awful bore. Read him, please, deal with him, but mind you, don't report. Not a word. I'm off. I broke the seal with a great effort, so great a one that I was a long time coming to it, took the unopened missive at last up to my room, and only attacked it just before going to bed. I had better have let it wait till morning, for it gave me a second sleepless night. With no counsel to take, the next day I was full of distress, and it finally got so the better of me that I determined to open myself at least to Mrs. Grouse. What does it mean the child's dismissed his school? She gave me a look that I remarked at the moment, then visibly, with a quick blankness, seemed to try to take it back. But aren't they all... Sent home, yes, but only for the holidays. Miles may never go back at all. Consciously, under my attention, she reddened. They won't take him. They absolutely decline. At this, she raised her eyes, which she had turned from me. I saw them fill with good tears. What has he done? I hesitated. Then I judged best simply to hand her my letter, which, however, had the effect of making her, without taking it, simply put her hands behind her. She shook her head sadly. Such things are not for me, miss. My counselor couldn't read. I winced at my mistake, which I attenuated as I could, and opened my letter again to repeat it to her. Then faltering in the act and folding it up once more, I put it back in my pocket. Is he really bad? The tears were still in her eyes. Do the gentlemen say so? They go into no particulars. They simply express their regret that it should be impossible to keep him. That can have only one meaning. Mrs. Grouse listened with dumb emotion. She forbore to ask me what this meaning might be, so that presently, to put the thing with some coherence, and with the mere aid of her presence to my own mind, I went on, that he's an injury to the others. At this, with one of the quick turns of simple folk, she suddenly flamed up. Master Miles, him, an injury. There was such a flood of good faith in it, that though I had not yet seen the child, my very fears made me jump to the absurdity of the idea. I found myself, to meet my friend the better, offering it, on the spot, sarcastically, to his poor little innocent mates. "'It's too dreadful,' cried Mrs. Grouse, "'to say such cruel things. "'Why, he's scarce ten years old. "'Yes, yes, it would be incredible.' "'She was evidently grateful for such a profession. 
"'See him, miss, first, then believe it.' "'I felt forthwith a new impatience to see him. "'It was the beginning of a curiosity that, "'for all the next hours, was to deepen almost to pain. "'Mrs. Grouse was aware, I could judge, "'of what she had produced in me, "'and she followed it up with assurance. "'You might as well believe it of the little lady, "'bless her,' she added the next moment. "'Look at her.' I turned and saw that Flora, whom, ten minutes before, I had established in the schoolroom with a sheet of white paper, a pencil, and a copy of nice round O's, now presented herself to view at the open door. She expressed in her little way an extraordinary detachment from disagreeable duties, looking to me, however, with a great childish light that seemed to offer it as a mere result of the affection she had conceived for my person, which had rendered necessary that she should follow me. I needed nothing more than this to feel the full force of Mrs. Grouse's comparison, and catching my pupil in my arms covered her with kisses in which there was a sob of atonement. Nonetheless, the rest of the day I watched for further occasion to approach my colleague, especially as, toward evening, I began to fancy she rather sought to avoid me, I overtook her, I remember, on the staircase. We went down together, and at the bottom I detained her, holding her there with a hand on her arm. I take what you said to me at noon as a declaration that you've never known him to be bad. She threw back her head. She had clearly, by this time, and very honestly, adopted an attitude. Oh, never known him. I don't pretend that. I was upset again. Then you have known him. Yes, indeed, miss, thank God. On reflection, I accepted this. You mean that a boy who never is, is no boy for me? I held her tighter. You like them with the spirit to be naughty. Then, keeping pace with her answer, so do I, I eagerly brought out, but not to the degree to contaminate, to contaminate, "'My big word left her at a loss. "'I explained it. "'To corrupt.' "'She stared, taking my meaning in. "'But it produced in her an odd laugh. "'Are you afraid he'll corrupt you?' "'She put the question with such a fine, bold humor "'that with a laugh, a little silly, doubtless, to match her own, "'I gave way for the time to the apprehension of ridicule. "'But the next day, as the hour for my drive approached, I cropped up in another place. What was the lady who was here before? The last governess? She was also young and pretty, almost as young and almost as pretty, miss, even as you. Ah, then, I hope her youth and her beauty helped her, I recollect throwing off. He seems to like us young and pretty. Oh, he did, Mrs. Grouse assented. It was the way he liked everyone. She had no sooner spoken indeed than she caught herself up. I mean, that's his way, the master's. I was struck. But of whom did you speak first? She looked blank, but she colored. Why, of him? Of the master? Of who else? There was so obviously no one else that the next moment I had lost my impression of her having accidentally said more than she meant, and I merely asked what I wanted to know. 
did she see anything in the boy that wasn't right? She never told me. I had a scruple, but I overcame it. Was she careful, particular? Mrs. Grouse appeared to try to be conscientious. About some things, yes. But not about all? Again she considered. Well, miss, she's gone. I won't tell tales. I quite understand your feeling, I hastened to reply. But I thought it, after an instant, not opposed to this concession to pursue. Did she die here? No, she went off. I don't know what there was in this brevity of Mrs. Grouse's that struck me as ambiguous. Went off to die? Mrs. Grouse looked straight out of the window, but I felt that, hypothetically, I had a right to know what young persons engaged for Bly were expected to do. She was taken ill, you mean, and went home. She was not taken ill, so far as appeared in this house. She left it at the end of the year to go home, as she said, for a short holiday, to which the time she had put in had certainly given her a right. We had then a young woman, a nursemaid, who had stayed on, and who was a good girl and clever, and she took the children all together for the interval. But our young lady never came back, and at the very moment I was expecting her, I heard from the master that she was dead. I turned this over. But of what? He never told me, but please, miss, said Mrs. Grouse, I must get to my work. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.